Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. If you've joined me before, welcome back. If this is your first time here, welcome. At the Logical Christian Podcast, we look at what's going on in the world of current events, politics, science, and whatever the mainstream media feels is important to tell us, but rather than just accepting their spin and swallowing their narrative, we look at it logically, and we look at it as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you want to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. I think we all remember that classic 80s song, We're living in a delusional world, and I can be a delusional girl if I feel like it, right? Right? I know you're humming the tune right now. As the meme taken from The Simpsons says, What a time to be alive. We used to be able to trust people and things in our own eyes, but that was then, and this is now. Now, we just trust what we've been told to trust, for now, which could change later, but that's later, not now, until later becomes now. Now, we know exactly what to think because we're told, and when that changes later, we'll be told again. And really, that just makes it easy because now we don't have to think. We have people that do that for us. We just need to keep up with now now so that we don't find ourselves on the wrong side of whatever new thing comes down the pike. On today's episode, we'll be scolded by the doctor, but not for the typical reasons. Then we'll find the truth very confusing, and finally all of our financial problems will be solved. So, don your mask and roll up your sleeve, take a pain reliever and stomach acid neutralizer of your choice, and throw away that copy of Financial Peace University. You shan't be needing that anymore, because believe it or not, here they them go. If you want to have a good solid chuckle, go look in the mirror. Nah, no, I'm kidding. Probably. But what I was going to say is if you want to have a good chuckle, get on your favorite World Wide Web Internet browser search engine, like Ask Jeeves, for instance, and look up something like sayings from the 1800s or insults from the 1800s, even better. You'll find some dandies, let me tell you. Like maybe you're a foozler. That's a bungler or one who does things clumsily. Maybe you're like I am, just a jollox, which is a fat person. I'd say that most of today's pop musicians are just whooper-ups. You know, second-rate singers who produce noise rather than music. And a word we should really bring back, but we really kind of need to change the definition, a flapdoodle. This was a person who was either too young or too old to have sex. We really need to bring back the word flapdoodle. We need to change the definition, right? I mean, we don't need that. It's just fun to say flapdoodle. And yes, I know you just tried it. And now you know I'm right. Flapdoodle. As time goes on, words disappear or they change definition. And this can cause problems when trying to understand, you know, what used to be meant back in the day when someone said these specific words. For instance, meat. It used to mean just a solid food as opposed to a drink. Now, of course, it means a food that only climate-hating animal murderers eat. Pretty used to mean crafty or cunning. It then changed to clever, skillful, or able. Finally, it changed to good-looking, with a more feminine slant to it. The word sly used to mean skillful, clever, or wise. And now, of course, it means sneaky. Like you, you sly boots. Phrases like, do no harm, back in the old days, used to mean, don't, as a medical professional, do anything that could negatively impact a patient. Right to privacy used to mean a person was not required to reveal information about him or herself that he or she did not want to. Patient autonomy was along the lines of, My body, my choice, where a medical patient had the right to make decisions best for their own self. Of course, my body, my choice was then modified to mean not actually my body, still my choice, and then modified again to only if it's not my body, is it my choice. Yes, these old-timey sayings are fun to look back on, but of course, as time marches forward, so does our language. To that end, let's take a deeper look at a few of these Found on The Conversation via Yahoo News, headline, Vaccine Hesitancy is Complicating Physicians' Obligation to Respect Patient Autonomy During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Well, let's just start here. Who do you think you are? 
Your job is not to complicate your doctor's life. That doc has enough on his or her plate trying to keep up with the CDC and NIH and WHO guidance that's being mandated that they mindlessly pass on to you. They do not have time to listen to your concerns or your research, your protestations. Honestly, they need you to just do as you are told by them as they're told by their overlords. But unfortunately, Penn State's family medicine resident physician, Ryan Liu, is just flabbergasted at patients that are refusing the COVID shot against his advice for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Poor Mr. Dr. Liu is at his wit's end with this. People like you are making his job hard. As the very eloquent Dr. Liu wrote, quote, Sitting barely six feet away from me, my patient yelled angrily, his face mask slipping to his upper lip, No, I will not get vaccinated, and nothing you do or say will change that fact. Oh, he provided no reason for why he was so opposed to the COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to stop doing that now. As a primary care resident physician working in an underserved area of Reading, Pennsylvania, I have seen patients of all age groups refusing to follow COVID-19 guidelines, such as wearing a mask, social distancing, or getting the vaccine. Well, I could talk for the next hour or more on why masks don't work, and I could include the CDC's 14 studies they did over 40 years of the flu virus versus general masking of the population, with every study concluding, it eh, don't really do nothing. At least, nothing positive. I could also talk about the stupidity of social distancing, which was a primary school child's idea during the swine flu. You know, they wrote a report, and George Bush picked up on that and ran with it, and now it's a thing. But when you have an airborne virus that can float in the air for days on end, in the slightest of air currents, staying six feet away thinking that does a thing is the height of idiocy. You'd almost think this primary care resident physician would understand some of this. But, you know, here we are. This is a problem everywhere. My child's dentist doesn't require masks. The orthodontist, literally upstairs from the dentist, does. And the receptionist that was none too happy when I asked why we're still doing this said that the ADA requires it. And didn't really have an answer when I said, why doesn't the dentist downstairs require it? I also got a somewhat chilly response when I called the receptionist at my family doctor's office in response to my upcoming physical in a few days and asked if they still required masks, which she said all medical facilities did still, and I told her to go ahead and cancel that appointment, push it out another six months, and we'll try it again. I'm not doing the mask thing. Anyway, not exactly my point. But my point is I've done my research. Unlike most of these alleged professionals who should be doing their homework rather than just parroting what these criminal three-letter agencies tell them. I know, I know, you may not agree with me, and that's fine, but I'll challenge you with this. Look up who the experts in masking are. Spoiler, they're industrial hygienists, not medical professionals. Look up what they say about masking the populace. Spoiler, it's nearly unanimous that this is foolishness and actually dangerous. From my engineering background, a mask is nothing but a filter. If I had an oil filter on my car that allowed sand, pieces of metal, and pebbles through it, I would not want that filter. A virus to a typical mask is the same ratio as sand to a chain-link fence. Anyway, off my soapbox on that topic, for now, this article is from March of 2022, so... What, I think Delta was still all the rage then? I don't know. I, I can't remember. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a virus denier. I believe that this virus is real. I believe that a large number of people have died from it. But again, I've also done my homework. So I have a lot of skepticism about what we're being told and how all this came about. But Dr. Liu, by his tone, was just incredulous that a patient would dare to not take his advice, his recommendation, his orders and live their life in the best way they saw fit with the information they had. 
And this is really starting to cause some conflicts for this doc. He said, quote, when a patient refuses to get the vaccine, a healthcare worker usually gets involved to counsel the patient. This may take a considerable amount of time, and unfortunately, the results may not always be favorable. Well, I'd have to ask what his definition of vaccine, and also favorable, is. As a fun exercise, look up the definition of vaccine, then use the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, and look at what it used to be and when it changed. Webster's Online changed their definition in 2021, early in 2021, as the COVID mRNA injection was being pushed. The CDC changed their definition twice in 2021 to incorporate what they're now calling a vaccine that's never been called a vaccine since mRNA genetic therapy was invented. And by favorable, of course, he means, you know, what he wants. Then he writes something chilling, something that we are seeing pop up right now from time to time. Quote, Many of the medical community believe that the onus is on the patient to get vaccinated, and if they do not do so, they should be seen as culpable for contracting COVID-19. One such example is a case being made to give lower priority for organ transplants to those willfully unvaccinated. <laughs> Excuse me? So, now those that didn't get an experimental, hastily concocted, rapidly tested, ignoring all testing protocols that have been used for a long, long time, chemical injection, they're now second-class citizens? How is that, um, I mean, how is that legal or humane? And how does that do no harm? You know, the silly little oath that a lot of doctors took. How does that allow personal medical autonomy? You see, this is evil, purely evil. It's do what we say or you'll just have to die. I mean, that's literally what they're saying and doing right now. Tell me how this small example ends well when you take it to its logical conclusion. And then he states the real quandary he's struggling with. Quote, as new variants of COVID-19 emerge and pose threats to everyone's health, doctors are struggling with their obligation to do no harm and their obligation to respect patient autonomy. Some wonder whether the two might even conflict with each other. Hmm. Well, let's continue on and feel his struggle, shall we? Maybe we can even find a solution for this conflict he has between helping people and only helping people he likes because they agree that he's at least one of the lesser gods. So first he covers do no harm. His assertion is that the filthy disease-ridden unvaxxed masses are just putting the lives of everyone, especially doctors and probably nurses, at risk. It's simply just a disregard for human life, he says. And let's be honest, what else could it be, right? I mean, he's told you to get vaxxed and you're not following orders. So that means you're just a stupid flat earther that hates people. Now, he states that it's hard for docs to respect people that just won't take the treatment for a contagious disease. Oh, well, it's a, it's a good thing I don't really care if my doctor respects me or not. Just, just look it over and check it out and fix it. That's all I'm saying. He cites philosopher Immanuel Kant and his theory of an absolute universal reason to act from duty. He says that based on that theory, it's the mandate, the duty, nay, the burden that brave doctors like him have to educate as best they can the mouth-breathing morons that waddle into his doc shop about the scary virus, their duty to humanity, and the savior Fauci with his magic salvific kula uh, vaccine, so-called. He says, quote, while doctors cannot force the patient to get vaccinated out of respect for the patient's ability to make informed decisions, and you can hear the struggle as he either forced himself not to or the editors forced him to take out the word yet from that sentence. But this mission from God he's been given brings up the problem of the autonomy of patients. You know, the ability for a human to decide what they want to do. He says that, quote, autonomy is one of the pillars of bioethics, and it is the notion that the patient has the ultimate decision-making power. Then he steps it down to, quote, there's no denying that a patient's decision-making responsibility is important. And then you can hear the pity in his voice when considering his more dumberer than him patients when he says, quote, After all, patients want the best for themselves. Hmm. So can you guess what word comes next? <laughs> no. 
He didn't say but. Quote, However, some scholars are also discussing the idea that the doctor knows best. This concept, known as paternalism, is the idea that physicians ought to be the ones to ultimately make the decision for what is ethically right for the patient, as physicians know better. Well, I'm looking at what physicians are deciding on right now, and I, I have some questions. We'll move on from there. But I do have to ask, do they... Do they know better? Because I can tell you twice that I have diagnosed things on individuals that the doctor was dinking around for weeks or months trying to figure out. It's simply because I didn't go to the books and look for the documented smarter-than-thou answer. I did my research. Ironically, the same thing I did to arrive at my decisions for me and my child with regard to this fear-mongered pandemic. Unfortunately, when the rubber meets the road, the reality is that life-saving resources are limited. So it's possible, just it's just possible, that a decision will have to be made as to who gets the resource. The evil human-hating chin-drool sloping forehead Neanderthal that refuses to listen to those above him? Or the independent, intelligent pillar of society who does what they're told like a good little girl or boy, you know, so they can get their sticker and their lolly. He throws out a soft threat that if you don't get your magic juice, you just may not be able to get Paxlovid. Well, okay deal. He also throws out the veiled threat of insurance costs. You know, with those unvaxxed people getting sick and only the unvaxxed getting sick and needing hospital stays and whatever, who should have to pay the increased insurance costs, hmm? The good doctor says that, quote, In my personal practice, I have been successful in changing people's minds about the vaccine through education and counseling. (laughs) Good for him. I'm sure not one of his patients experienced a side effect at all because the vaccine wouldn't dare. Not against Dr. Liu. So look, here's the deal. And this will sound arrogant. I admit that it's not meant to. I know more about this virus and vax than Liu does. I say this because I've done my homework, I've done my research, same with masks, same with distancing, same with lockdowns. I say this with confidence because he's simply parroting the party line. You can tell when a doctor hasn't done any research, when all they do is say the same thing the CDC or the NIH or Fauci or the media or our various politicians are saying. They're all reading from the same playbook, line for line, word for word, just like our current black lesbian woman press secretary, as we've been told those are literally the only things that matter about her, they just do it better than she does. A lot better. Interestingly, I tried, I mean I tried, to find Dr. Ryan Liu somewhere on the worldwide internets. I'm pretty good at searching on the internet. And from what I can tell... He's gone. I mean, there's no mention of him, except for 2016 on Penn State's website. There's no Facebook. There's a Twitter page that was created and appears to be defunct with no followers, no following, no tweets. There's no LinkedIn page. There's no more articles since he wrote this one in March. And he had a few appearances after that in April, but after that, nothing. Now, I don't wish anything bad on him. I'm just curious why he's not out there yelling at us to get this shot still. Could it be that we're seeing the vax and infinite boosters are not, in fact, effective? Everyone's getting sick that got the shots, and they all say, again, the same party line, oh, it would have been worse. Would it? How do you know? There's literally no possible way of knowing that. How about the fact that the data is correlating to those in higher vax regions are seeing higher death rates from everything? No correlation there? How about those in the most heavily masked regions are seeing the highest prevalence of infection? What about a massive spike in deaths of young to middle-aged people? Enough that the life insurers are universally claiming this is a once-in-a-millennia event. What about the Paxlovid rebound? What about other countries starting to restrict or eliminate vaccines for kids to start with? And the list goes on. And don't even get me started on supplements like D and zinc and quercetin or other nicknamed miracle drugs like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine that are now being proven in study after study after study to be unbelievably effective. What about the sudden spike in a variety of diseases, some that we haven't seen in generations like polio, some that have never been an issue for the U.S. like monkeypox, and some that are just blowing up like all types of cancers? 
And there are a good number of others like tuberculosis and meningitis. These are all things that our innate immune system fights and flushes away on a regular basis. But for some reason, they're not being fought against in the same way. How about the hidden data from the likes of Pfizer? The knowledge of how many adverse effects their trials contained? What about all of these young, very healthy, professional athletes that are dying or experiencing all sorts of issues? What about the fact that this next booster was tested on eight mice? And Fauci said that we just don't have enough time to do actual testing. It's good enough. Ship it. Now, truth be told, I can't attribute everything to COVID or the vaccine or the actions taken by the various governments. I think that many on the left and the right reacted based on the best information they had at the time to try to do what they could as they literally thought, and some still actually do think, that this will wipe out all of humanity. I've asked the question with no reply. Why didn't everyone die from the Spanish flu in 1918? There wasn't a vax for that. By their logic, everyone should be dead. Oh, but, but no, the virus mutated as it does, and natural and herd immunity did what it does, and we survived and we moved on. What I do know is that there are too many questions that are not only not being answered, but they're flat out refusing to answer them, and when they do answer them, it's spin and lies that's easily debunked. So what is going on? Well, when you come down to it, we're a nation, and heavily a world, that may believe in a god of some sort, a higher something-something, but we are a humanity that has thumbed our nose at our creator, and much like Satan himself, we decided it's our turn on the throne. The old bearded ZZ Top-looking guy, yeah, he did his best, but it's time to move over and let wise, wise man guide down and land this plane. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that this is a punishment from God. It might be, all I know is that this is part of what God planned for this world before one Adam was created, and that it's all for his glory. Now, how and when and why, I have no idea. But either it is, or we believe in vain in a God that doesn't exist. I'm also not saying that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't take a vaccine or whatever this stuff is. That's your call, but do it informed, not like Dr. Ryan Liu just doing as he's commanded. Now, I'm also not saying that if you're a Christian, you won't get sick or even die from this, or nearly infinite other things. We're not promised that either. What I am saying is that humans are unable to make logical, rational decisions when removing God and truth from the equation. For instance, we're told not to fear more than just about anything in the Bible. This entire pandemic has been about one thing, fear, constant fear. Rather than rationally looking at the situation, evaluating effects of actions, we just allowed fear to dictate. And look at the state of our mental health, physical health, emotional health, economic health. We chose to fixate on our fear rather than focus on God. Also, our bodies have an immune system, tainted by sin, sure, no longer perfect, but designed by God. And for 6,000 years now, it's done what it's done. It's only been a short while that we've had vaccines or synthesized medicines. But what have we been told over and over in the last few years? Oh, our immune system can't save us now. Only man-made chemical injections can do that. And what are we seeing now? Those that have not taken this vax are as immune, if not more so, than those that have taken the vax. And more data comes out every week about the vax actually suppressing the immune system or completely altering it. Wiping the memory is the latest theory. We ignore the creation by God. We decide we know better. How about the fact that we're called to love our neighbor? Even if you don't believe in the Christian God, it's part of who we are to help each other and take care of each other. And we've seen fights and murders because he's wearing a mask or she won't wear a mask. We see families deprived of being with parents, children, or other family members as they died from whatever because we can't have viral spread, allegedly. And now we're seeing more doctors like the curiously absent Ryan Liu, that says that it may just come down to prioritizing the vaxxed over the undesirables. We're supposed to cast all our cares upon Jesus, but we've instead chosen to cast all our cares upon government and ask, no, 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 beg for them to save us. We're told not to lie, but regardless of the side of the debate you're on, it's very clear that Pfizer and Moderna have lied by omission. Fauci came right out and said that he lied, but he did it because the sheeple were just too weak to be told the truth. They've created their own morality, and by doing so, so many people have been hurt or fired or forced into something that they did not want to do. 
and this list goes on. We simply cannot deny our Creator, the one true sovereign God of all creation, and expect things to end well. Unfortunately, the fallout is still, well, still falling out. Look at church attendance. When this started, people flocked to church to pray for safety. Then most churches locked down, if even for just a few weeks, most for longer than that, and they went online. Attendance held steady, if not increased at the beginning, but then people got tired of waiting. God just wasn't moving fast enough. Ooh, but look at our elected officials and our so-called scientists, and people started falling away. Now, with most churches open, attendance in person and online has uh, cratered. We've learned that we don't need God, and this extended vacation from the drudgery of Sunday mornings was exactly what we need was exactly what the doctor ordered, to gracefully bow out of that routine for good. Andy Stanley stated in a sermon a number of years ago that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. Sadly for him, that's exactly what he's done. Not sure how he can stay hitched to the New Testament, since it's virtually a pointless book if you don't have the old backing it up, but I suspect that he's not far off from unhitching from that as well. I mean, he already unhitches from the context of the New Testament pretty much every Sunday. But we as a society, we've unhitched from God. We just came through yet another anniversary of 9-11, and although I honor those that lost their lives, the innocent bystanders and employees, the first responders, those that were sent into war, losing time with friends and family, losing abilities, losing lives, I wonder if it's really worth celebrating the way we do. To me, it, it's starting to ring hollow, because look at our country I just wonder, what was the point? We're doing more damage internally than any terrorist could have ever done externally. All Al-Qaeda had to do was just wait. Today, we are more divided, more angry, more fueled by rage, more depressed, and we look to gender transition and drugs and affirmations and perversity and all manner of degeneracy to try to fill the void while looking to our overlords for salvation. We're kind of a mess right now. I know, I know. Kind of a rabbit trail there. So let's bring this roller coaster back to the station, shall we? Dr. Ryan Liu is a microcosm of everything I just soapboxed. Truth, belief, reality, decency, humanity, hope, charity, faith, and love. They're all gone. Or at least that's how it appears. Believe what you're told. Do as we say. Question nothing. Or you're on the outside of the camp. A societal leper, as it were. My friends, this country and this world is is very lost. I don't think there's any... Question there, they're struggling, grappling for anything and everything that they're allowed to have that they're told they can grasp for. We have got to be the light to this world. We can disagree without being combative, but we can be combative when the cause is righteous. We must love our neighbors, and sometimes that's tough love as we cannot compromise the truth. Ultimate truth is found in scriptures, but there's truth on this earth as well. As Christians, one of our constant struggles should be for the truth. The world is in desperate need of someone, anyone that can grab them by the hand and lead them to the truth. If it's not us and the true truth, it'll be someone else and something else. We, and I'm speaking to me as much if not more than you, we need to get on our knees and beg for wisdom, discernment, and courage, and then get into the word so that we are enveloped by truth, wisdom, and knowledge. And then we need to head into battle while not losing our humanity or our grasp on reality, that's real reality, or our love for our neighbor. We must be different, dare I say peculiar, and head into a world that hates us and be the instrument that God uses to rescue even one. We are currently in the most stupidest point in the history of the United States. I'm willing to fight you on this point. The, uh... I don't know, I guess conservative radio show host Michael Savage. Savage. I've never really been sure where to classify him. He's a conservative or a libertarian. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. He wrote a book in 2010 named Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. I didn't read it. I doubt that I ever will. But wow, do I agree with that title. We are living in an age of post-modernity, which could really be called post-truth. Britannica.com defines post-modernism as, quote, a late 20th century movement characterized by broad skepticism, subjectivism, or relativism, a general suspicion of reason, and an acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power. 
Simply stated, being a postmodern means that there is no true truth. There is only your truth. And it makes no difference if my truth disagrees with your truth, or if my truth disagrees with what you know to be true or what you can see to be true. We see this in politics all of the time. Politicians say one thing, get called out on it, and either they or their team comes out and tells us that what we heard is in fact not what we heard. <laughs> to a shrinking number of us, it's quite obvious what's going on. Conversely, to a growing number of people, thinking, assessing, evaluating, it's a dying art. It's being replaced by simply smiling and nodding. And we're seeing this most prevalently with those that claim to be woke. The Urban Dictionary defines woke as, quote, spiritual and intellectual enlightenment, like waking up from a deep sleep and seeing things clearly for the first time. Simply put, they see the reality of the world that you can't see because you're just a square man. These woke individuals, those that are smarter than you and I by finding truth in things that are simply not true by any stretch of the imagination, are more often found on the left of the political spectrum, the liberals, and they're usually all the way over into the socialism or communism camp. But oddly enough, this is only in the first world nations that have no idea what socialism or communism really is or what it's like to live in a nation that doesn't allow an individual to have a relatively large amount of freedom to think like this. But even this has its limits. You can only claim your truth to a certain point. The points are arbitrary, though. They shift with the time and the general tenor of acceptance of a society. For instance, I can easily claim to be a gay man, or to be a woman, or to be a lesbian woman. I can claim to be able to chest feed a baby while donning some appliance to give a distorted appearance of breastfeeding, but you can't tell me that I'm wrong. However, heaven forbid I claim to be a lesbian chest feeding woman of color. That is a step too far, because how dare I? In fact, if I had hair and decided to put it in dreadlocks, or if I wore a sombrero because I just liked it. Well, that's also too far. I've now culturally appropriated an entire people, an entire people that almost to the person doesn't care if you do any of that. But along the same lines, if you're one of those demographics and the white man says you must like or not like something, well, don't you dare step out of line or you're nothing but an Uncle Tom or a white supremacist of color or something. For instance... Latinos and Latinas overwhelmingly hate the stupid term Latinx, which was given to them by woke whiteies in order to neuter the gender of the Latino community. But nobody cares if they like it or not. That is what's been decided that they are, and they will be that whether they want to or not. Are you keeping up? And that brings us to one troubled, wealthy, seemingly talented 29-year-old Ezra Miller. Without going into Mr. Miller or Mix Miller I don't, too deeply, he's probably most famously known for playing Credence Barebone or Aurelius Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast movie series or The Flash in the DC comic movie and television universe. Well, Miller has recently found himself in a bit of hot water, which is kind of been compounding for a while now. In 2011, he was stopped and found to be in possession of a little Mary Jane, a little marijuana, and was charged with disorderly conduct. Now, at the time, he said that he didn't see a problem with smoking a little dube. Of course, more and more studies are starting to emerge, as we've legalized it almost everywhere now, of weed smokers now experiencing something fun called scrometing, which is vomiting and screaming from the pain. This is exclusively happening with tokers, especially the younger. And just recently, a study has come out saying that those that toke up are showing aggressive, angry, and violent tendencies. <laughs> uh, but that's probably not true. However, in 2020, Miller was shown in a tweet to apparently be strangling a woman and throwing her to the ground. I mean... <laughs> Who among us hasn't? Uh, anyway, he said in 2022 that it was because he, a 27-year-old at the time, was being heckled by a group of teens. Well, I mean, never mind then, okay? <laughs> you understand that? 
But then in 2022, just this last March, he was arrested in Hawaii after a physical altercation when he was allegedly accosted by a Nazi, is what he said. And then three weeks later, he was again arrested for second-degree assault in Hawaii for throwing a chair and hitting a 26-year-old woman. In June, he had a temporary order of protection placed against him. Also in June, a temporary harassment prevention order. Then an incident in Vermont where he was apparently shacked up with some lady and her young kids, including a baby, where he allegedly had guns and ammo laying around and was smoking a lot of weed, including in the baby's face. Then in August, he was charged with felony burglary in Vermont. So needless to say, he's got some problems. And that extra-long intro brings us to a fairly short article and review. Found on Rolling Stone via MSN.com, headline, Ezra Miller believed they were the Messiah. The Flash was Jesus of the multiverse. Now, you might have heard the issue right off the bat. Well, okay, so issues, right? So Ezra no longer identifies as a he-him, although I identify him as a he-him. No, he identifies now as a they-them. So the headline, Ezra Miller believed they were, is correct per his preferred pronoun, and it's correct in normal grammar rules, as they, being plural, does necessitate a were. But per what they're trying to do, Ezra isn't a plural, he's a singular. So shouldn't it be Ezra Miller believe they was? Hmm. So this article is fairly confusing to read as they use they, their, and them throughout, and it's talking about a single person. But remember, his reality is reality, and we are not allowed to question this decided-upon reality because it doesn't bump up against or appropriate any intersectional realities that are considered off-limits. I ask again, are you, uh, are you keeping up here? So... All throughout this article, Rolling Stone refers to him as a plural, to the point where the magazine quotes a Vanity Fair article of an interview with Miller, and Rolling Stone actually corrects the article that they're quoting to correct the pronouns. They state, quote, Rolling Stone has altered the quote to reflect Miller's preferred they-them pronouns. But that's not really quoting the quote then, is it? And what I find funny is that, for example, if I know... If it was well known that Miller's favorite candy bar was a Milky Way, let's say that I wrote that Ezra Miller, he sure does love Milky Ways. Well, Rolling Stone would correct it to say they sure do, although it should be they sure does love Milky Ways. But why quibble over that? If I were to write that Ezra Miller, they sure does love Snickers, they wouldn't correct my sentence, but they'd probably make a point to say that I was wrong and that he, or they, in fact, loves Milky Ways. But why wouldn't they alter my quote to correct the Snickers to Milky Ways? Well, because that's not the reality they're worried about. So let's just say I were to write, that Ezra Miller, he sure does love Snickers. Well, they'd correct it to, that Ezra Miller, they sure does love Snickers, then make a note that they corrected the pronoun, then proceed to write a couple sentences correcting my error that he actually loves Milky Ways, not Snickers. See, all truth is subjective. Some reality is defined by some people or some situations, but not all. Some reality is set, until it's not anymore. Eh, Moving on, Ezra Miller claimed that he was the Messiah. Apparently, he had some South Dakota medicine man as a spiritual advisor that was telling him that he was messianic and that he had demons after him. Now, what I find interesting is that Rolling Stone didn't correct that him to them and then make a note. And this is one of a couple instances in the article that they did not refer to him as more than one, because even the woke writers at Rolling Stone instinctively know that they's a him. And trying to force their writing to conform to the latest woke rules goes against nature itself. So shortly after Miller claimed to be the Messiah, to be the Jesus of the multiverse, he said that he was going to enter treatment to deal with, quote, complex mental health issues. Now, I totally agree. He's got some very complex mental health issues. I highly doubt that the treatment he seeks out will help him, but we can hope, right? But here's the thing. Rolling Stone does seem to agree, per the rest of the article, that Miller has some complex mental health issues that do need to be addressed. But the fact that he calls himself a they-them 
that's not one of them. That's perfectly normal. In fact, I wonder why they agree that he has any mental health issues. Is it because he said he did? Or do they think he does? Just based on what he's done, his clearly mentally unstable actions. Because who are they to say he's not the Messiah? In fact, who is Miller to say that he's not the Messiah and that he has mental issues? How does he know that? How can he or any of us possibly know? He may in fact be the Messiah because he thinks he is. Right? Then my favorite part. At the end of the article, they write, quote, After the future of the Flash, or Jesus of the Multiverse, as Miller referred to the character, was threatened by his actions, as well as the studio's abrupt cancellation of Batgirl, Miller ultimately apologized to WB execs in person and promised to enter a treatment center. Did you catch it? See, they missed correcting the him in the Vanity Fair quote, but then Rolling Stone actually dead pronouns Miller themselves. Quote, the future of the Flash was threatened by his actions. They can't even keep up with their own writing because everyone, Rolling Stone included, can't keep themselves from writing correctly no matter how hard they try. Of course, my question is, where are the editors? <laughs> from what I've seen written up lately online, there are literally no competent editors anymore. There are so many grammatical spelling errors in these stories. I <laughs> mean... And again, if they're trying to be full woke, well, they missed it, right? So, look, what do we do with this? Well, I'm not going to go into any deep theology here. We know this. The reality is that once we disconnect from the truth, all bets are off. When you remove the foundation of the Bible, who's to say that Miller isn't the actual Messiah, or that his character is the Jesus of the multiverse, or that Miller is in reality the Flash and really is Jesus? What if I claim to be Ezra Miller? Can I do that? But I only want to claim his wealth part, not the criminal part. And why can't I do that? The Bible tells us that John the Baptist came to bear witness unto the truth. We're told that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. We're told that the truth shall make us free, that we are to worship in spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, and that he will testify of Jesus. We're told that the Word of God is truth, and that we're sanctified through the truth. We're told all this, and we haven't even left the Gospels yet. As Christians, we must be purveyors of the truth. We cannot, like I've heard some supposed Christian pastors suggest lately, just go along with whatever the world says. Just be loving. Pronouns are not up for discussion. Neither is gender. Neither is the one true God, the only Jesus, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. I believe, it's my belief, I believe that eventually this nation, the woke world, will be stamped out. The days of people claiming to be animals, people claiming to be other genders, people using other pronouns, will eventually fizzle out. Again, I believe this will happen but in reality, only time will tell. And if this does fizzle out, if we do get through this, Christians must be the guiding light out of this lostness, this ridiculousness. A lot of talk is happening right now about how close we must be to the end. I've heard it from just about everybody, but we don't know that either. We may be on the precipice of the Third Great Awakening, another national revival. We just don't know. So although we should be looking toward heaven, we must be about our work here on earth. Even if it's uncomfortable, we must stand for and proclaim the truth. And how do we do that? Well, we do what we learned in Awana, the key verse. Say it with me. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must dig through the scriptures, learn them, understand them, commit them to memory, and be ready to help others see why they can't seem to understand the world around them and then guide them to the true truth, only found in the Bible, only found in Jesus. We also need to be praying for Mr. Ezra Miller, for those caught in the exact same web of lies as he is, just not famous, and for this nation. There are a lot of lost, hurting searching people out there that are looking for anything solid to hold on to, and it's up to us to present them with the foundation of truth that they so desperately desire. Well, it's time to continue our trudge through the sludge that is the Democrat Party platform. So crack open a cold one 
and by that I mean a sweet, delicious Mountain Dew, preferably of the zero variety. Open a sack of your favorite angry eating snack and get your stress ball out because... So if you missed the first episode of what will be our short series on the Democrat Party platform, you have time to catch up. Just go back to the previous week's podcast, that's two podcasts prior to this one, and you can listen to the first episode. In the meantime, let's move on with episode two, tackling a fairly long section that we'll try to chop into just the important parts, quote, building a stronger, fairer economy. Now, being a couple years into this latest administration's, whatever the heck this is, let me ask you, is the economy being built as you would have typically defined that word in the past when used in conjunction with the word economy? Is the economy in a position that you could consider to be stronger than it was during the previous administration? I think if you said yes to either of those, you're quite possibly delusional, or might have jumped the gun on that crack open a cold one before I qualified it, or you're a socialist and or communist. But let me ask this, is the economy fairer? Again, I'd say probably not, but it depends on how you define it. What we absolutely know is that building and stronger are not the concern of this administration. So that only leaves, uh, huh. Okay, let's look at the totally not evil plan that the Marx, uh, the uh, Democrats, <clears throat> sorry, have for this country, shall we? Polls used to claim that those on the left were the more well-read, the higher educated, the elites of society. But when you read the premise of their economic plan, either the Democrat Party has slipped into the double-digit IQ range, or they're just a party of blue no matter who, really not caring what the leadership says or does, or who says what, or who does what, as long as you're blue, you'll get my vote. Their premise is that uh, orange man bad. That's really basically it. Trump squandered the longest-running economic expansion in American history, and he sent us into a recession and didn't do COVID right, and he lowered taxes on big businesses and taxed the middle class more and bankrupted farmers, and he kicked puppies, and he knocked the canes out of the hands of old people, and he ran over an entire school of blind children all tied together with a rope just trying to walk down the sidewalk. Look, what we know for sure is that Trump is a bad, bad man. That's the premise. So let's look at some numbers. When you look at the average inflation rate by year for Obama to Trump to Biden, you see that Obama basically ran one and a half to two percent inflation on average. <laughs> Trump, however, ran uh, about one and a half to two percent on average. And Biden, only three months after taking office, ran it from one point four percent to four point two percent, then proceeded on to five to six and then and then seven. Eight came after that, and then 9.1% was the peak for now in June, dropping slightly in July and August to the low eights. Or as Biden recently said in his first interview in over 270 days, it's only up an inch. So all that extra money you don't have that you're using to pay for stuff you need, that's only up an inch. So quit your belly aching. Unemployment rates were starting to trend up from the fours to the fives when Obama took over. He kept on plugging away and got them all the way up to 10% at the end of 2009. And by the end of Obama's eight years, he had pulled it down below 5% again. Trump took that all the way to 3.5%, including the lowest black unemployment rate in history before COVID hit, where it spiked to 14% in April. But by the time Biden took it over, it was already back down to 6.4%. Now, Biden has taken it from there all the way down to the mid to upper threes again. But when you look at the participation rate, the amount of people that can work that are choosing to work or are actively looking for employment, we see that Obama inherited a rate that was hovering at 66%, then proceeded to tank that value down to 62.8% by the time he handed it off to Trump. Remember how Obama ran all sorts of ads trying to get more and more people on government assistance? Yeah, this is by design. Trump took office and was able to stabilize and actually bring the rate back up slightly to 63.4% by the time COVID hit. Now, Biden got it at 61.4%, did nothing through the first year, and has now brought it to about 62.2%. That's nearly two years of owning it. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of difference here, but have you noticed all of the help wanted signs? Did you ever think you'd see McDonald's offering their average everyday employees, the cooks and cashiers, paid vacation? Have you ever seen so many businesses closing relatively early because they just don't have the workers? Yeah, that's uh, 
That's what he's done. Anyway, without going any deeper for the sake of time, I hope you're getting the idea that the claims the Democrat Party are making are nothing but spin or flat out lies. I encourage you to read their platform yourself. CNBC even said that under Trump, we had the deepest recession ever that turned around in two months, making it the shortest recession in U.S. history. And of course, this was all lockdown or die recommendations by that little troll Fauci. The reality is the basis of the Democrats' claims are all due to COVID. But again, I ask you, put your feelings about Trump or Biden aside. Are you better now or worse? And is the country in a better economic position now or worse? So what we do know is that you're the victim of decades of a rigged economy. The rich get richer, and you, if you're lucky, you're treading water. Our kids have less upward mobility than those of other countries, and why won't we just pay women equal? Yeah, the party lie that women are paid 82 cents on the dollar as compared to men, that's a farce. It's not true. Again, it's all a matter of where you set your boundaries. There's a lot of data and factors that are left out of this alleged injustice. Oh, and also don't forget, we're racist. So the Democrats pledge a new contract with the American people, quote, a contract that invests in the people and promotes shared prosperity, not one that benefits only big corporations and the wealthiest few, one that affirms housing is a right and not a privilege, and which makes a commitment that no one will be homeless or go hungry in the richest country on earth. A new economic contract that raises wages and restores workers' rights to organize, join a union, and collectively bargain. One that at last supports working families and the middle class by securing equal pay for women and paid family leave for all. A new economic contract that provides access for all to reliable and affordable banking and financial services. A new social and economic contract that at last grapples honestly with America's long and ongoing history of racism and disenfranchisement of segregation and discrimination and invests instead in building equity and mobility for the people of color who have been left out and left behind for generations. They're going to invest in infrastructure, care work, clean energy, small business, and they're going to enact reforms to, quote, address structural and systemic racism and entrenched income and wealth inequality in our economy and our banking system. <sighs> okay. To do this, they pledge to raise the minimum wage because that always works and doesn't just pass the cost on to the consumer, uh, to repeal right to work and give more power to the labor unions that are absolutely out of control in almost everything they do. And I defy you to show me how the union leadership cares about their workers or in the case of public schools, about the kids at all. They'll also give more power and more ability for unions to unionize other workers. And trust me, this is whether they want to be unionized or not, which destroys being paid on merit and turns employment into a socialist endeavor. They'll funnel more money to the Department of Labor so they can harass businesses and employers more. They'll finally get rid of all that racism and hiring wage and firing practices. I mean, how many times have you seen your racist employer be racist? I mean, if I've seen it once, <laughs> that would be one more time than all of the times I've currently seen it. Again, they cherry-pick data and spin facts to gin up anger and hostility in order to garner votes. And if I'm wrong, I'd love to hear of all of the racism sightings you've had with your own employer or other businesses. Statistically, it's just not a thing that happens in the U.S. Not today. Oh, wait, and they'll increase the funding to the Equal Employment Opportunity Council to purchase more jackboots so they can kick down doors of those that are accused of being somethingist, including those that violate rights of, quote, LGBTQ plus people, especially transgender women of color. And that seems oddly specific, doesn't it? Almost, almost sounds like pandering, but no, that can't be right. They'll implement a paid sick leave and family leave for absolutely everyone, at least 12 weeks of leave for everyone. They'll invest heavily into ensuring that we all have just wonderful, totally not indoctrinating childcare if we need it, totally not indoctrinating, or grooming. You can trust them. It'll be free for some of you. They pledge to, quote, invest in resilient, sustainable, and inclusive infrastructure. Democrats will launch a clean energy revolution through historic investments in clean energy, clean transportation, energy efficiency, and advanced manufacturing. <laughs> what is inclusive infrastructure, and how does it differ from our current infrastructure? Do black people try to plug in their iPhones and the outlet says, no way, man, you black? 
Or does a gay man try to merge onto the freeway and the car shouts out, no homo? I mean, what isn't inclusive about our infrastructure? Of course, they'll modernize and fix the transportation infrastructure like they all promise to do left and right, and eh, they never really do anything. But this time it's different. They want to do things that will help fight climate change. <laughs> and wow, are they ever doing those things that they think will stop something that really isn't a thing to worry about at all. They're going to replace pipes and green schools and give everyone totally free high-speed internet access and punish those filthy service providers that don't practice net neutrality, which is only a thing because the left, as much as they try, can't get the viewer or listenership with their garbage programs. The right can, and that's just not fair. They pledge to create more public-private partnerships with businesses. You know, like that communist capitalist system in China. So that should go well. Side note, did you know that Moderna, one of our COVID-vax saviors of humanity, is a public-private partnership? Yeah, yeah, the government is being paid for every jabby jab in the arm. Isn't that nice? Of course. If any of those partnerships are to move forward, they must have a union workforce, right? I mean crazy not to they're going to encourage with money companies to make stuff in america and while they're making that stuff in america let's make sure they're making that stuff with a union labor force of course they'll increase grants and loans for small businesses quote especially for small businesses owned by women and people of color you know because of the systemic racism thing and on and on they go rooting out the evil that trump left behind finally finding a purpose for all this extra cash that's just blowing around in the city streets. I mean, how many of us have been run down by a tumble cash weed on a windy day, right? Hmm? They'll help farms, you know, to grow all of that food that we're totally growing, right? My grocery store, for instance, they just stack things in the aisles. Now there's just, there's just so much stuff. Uh, they'll negotiate trade deals that will enforce labor standards, you know, like unions, human rights, the gays and the trannies, and the environment. And, you know, if the rest of the deal is okay, like like the part about the value of our trade or their trade, you know, the literal point of a trade deal, well, if that's good, that's just icing on the cake, as, as long as the product was made by a lesbian, tranny, vegan union member of color. They'll make sure that racist housing isn't racist anymore and everyone can get a house. Remember, it's a right, not a privilege. So they want to build a bunch of affordable housing, which I'm sure will be just glorious, and work on closing that racial wealth gap by giving more people of color or with genitals that don't match their feelings more loans so that they can go into debt and they can create the next great housing bubble. And who doesn't love bubbles? They're going to eliminate homelessness. <laughs> They'll create a new homeowner and renter bill of rights because the left will pretty much do anything to bastardize the actual Bill of Rights in order to cheapen and finally get rid of that pesky thing. And they're going to fix that rigged tax code so it doesn't keep helping those filthy companies that create your jobs. Nope, they're going to help you now. They're going to, quote, reform the tax code to be more progressive and equitable. Now, how great does that sound, right? The problem is it can't be both progressive and equitable at the same time. Unless, of course, equitable means that they're going to use it to redistribute wealth you know, like socialists. They'll make it more possible for you to borrow money because that's what we all need, the ability to more easily live outside of our means. To do this, they'll create a, quote, reporting agency to provide a non-discriminatory credit reporting alternative to the private agencies, and they'll require its use by all federal lending programs, including home lending and student loans. Huh, sounds great. What could possibly go wrong there? They're going to end poverty. I mean, this is all the way on page 23. That's kind of burying the lead, wouldn't you say? Why not put, hey, we're going to end poverty right up at the front? I mean, next thing you know, they're going to say something like they're going to cure cancer or something. <laughs> the interesting thing about this poverty section is that it's the one place in 92 pages that they mention God. They want to enable, quote, all Americans to live up to their God-given potential. See? They're Christians like you and me. They'll give communities more money, raise the minimum wage, give more tax breaks, more public housing. We know how good that is. Give more government health care. We know how good that is. Just look at the VAs around the country. Because, quote, Democrats believe health care is a human right. Huh. So, so housing and health care. Both, uh, both human rights. Got it. Okay, good. 
They'll give more government benefits. They'll fund more public defender legal services. And they'll address all of these bank deserts where people just don't have access to banks. Finally, they're going to guarantee a secure and dignified retirement. They're the party that, quote, advocates retirement security for all, after all. They're going to not only protect Social Security, but they're going to increase benefits for all. They'll increase minimum payments. They'll increase payments for long-duration beneficiaries. They'll protect surviving spouses. They won't allow the evil Republicans to cut, privatize, or weaken Social Security in any way. Oh, no, sir. They're going to pay everyone more while making Social Security last forever, presumably by using the blackest of magic. So that's a very brief summary of all they said that they would do. Did you notice a pattern? Money, money, money. Money. And where will they get all this money? Well, the implication is by redistributing wealth from the rich to, I mean, the poor, but it's the right kind of poor people. And they'll tax those corporations more and they'll force businesses to pay more, which is just a different kind of tax. Problem is, what they're proposing isn't realistically or logically possible. Corporations can't just give more money, not without passing it on to the consumer. That's a tax on you and me. The rich, although they're rich, have a limited amount of money. <laughs> Shocker, I know. And it can go bye-bye very quickly when the government decides to steal all of it from them. And we all know that Social Security is on the ropes. It's going to die relatively soon. But they say they'll pay out more, but keep it going in perpetuity. There are only two ways that can happen. They uh, reallocate funds, or call that steal, steal funds from other programs, or they just keep on printing money. And we all see the effects of printing money, right? Eventually, inflation catches up as your money becomes more and more worthless. And then interest rates, you've probably heard about those in the recent days of the news. Interest rates must be jacked up to suck cash back into the reserve in order to destroy it so the money supply goes down, making your money worth more once again. Bottom line, to bring this back to a biblical worldview, I'm sure that no fault of their own, they seem to be slightly violating two somewhat obscure biblical principles. They've probably never heard of them. You've probably never heard of them. You know, lying and stealing. I know these things are practically buried in a small handful of pages way into the book, and I highly doubt they've ever made it that far into that old dusty thing. So, look, taxation is theft. Now, as I've said before, I have no problem with the government requiring the citizens to be invested in their country. So taxes are fine if it's only what is needed. If they're fair across the board, not progressive, fair, and if that money is used responsibly. Out of those three things, not one of them are true with our government. And that goes for both sides of the aisle, right and left. They're all crooks. And they're lying about what the problems are. They're lying about how we have systemic racism. What percentage of the population actually believes that the system we have now is racist? Now, I could argue that the Democrat plan is the racist plan. I'd be right, because despite what they say it does, it actually keeps the demographics they claim to care about down and poor and dependent, all the while telling blacks that they're just too lazy or too stupid or too animal-like to survive in the white world, so just let us give you all sorts of special rights. See, that's racist. And they're lying about being able to do all of these things. This is like the guy that promises the girl that they'll travel the world and drink the finest of wines and stay at the fanciest locations, eat the best foods. And he shows up in a 1972 rusted out AMC gremlin and suggests that they go Dutch on their first date to McDonald's. He can promise whatever he wants, but if he doesn't have the ability to make good on the promises, what good are the promises? They're just lies. The Democrats are cruising through the country in a rusted-out 1972 AMC gremlin, and they just want to bum a few or all of your dollars from you. I keep saying that the Democrats are evil. I stand by that. They're playing to one of humanity's most fundamental flaws, fundamental sins, greed. We love money. We love stuff. And if we can get more money and stuff with little to no effort, well, sign me up. That's fantastic. Sadly, there are at least a percentage of voters that vote Democrat based on one thing. What are you going to give me? because they look at the world through green-tinted dollar sign glasses. They're willing to believe anyone that tells them they'll give them more of what they love. But this money 
doesn't exist. Even if they took all the money from everyone in the country, they wouldn't be able to fund all of their programs, and they know it. But the fact that they throw all of these programs out there and they promise all this free cash knowing this plan isn't possible, that's a flat-out lie. That's evil. And as for housing, that's not a right. Healthcare, also not a right. To be honest, clothing and food, those aren't rights. In fact, from an American standpoint, our rights come down to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and those rights aren't granted by a Marxist government. Those are given directly to us by God. From a biblical worldview, we have the right to be squashed like a bug and sent directly to hell. That's literally our only right. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And that's it. If we're saved, we have the right to be a child of God because Jesus gave us that right. And this ends our exhaustive biblical list of rights. From an American view, we'll be covering the Bill of Rights very soon on an alternating podcast as we walk through the Constitution. Be sure to check that out and go back to listen to past episodes of that as well. So to boil this all down, those in the Democrat Party think so little of their voting bloc that they believe they can lie to the people about not only what the problems are, but what the solutions are, and then appeal to greed in order to promote their agenda. I'm going to get mine. And then they advocate massively higher levels of theft in addition to what they're currently thieving in order to even attempt to bring this socialist nightmare to fruition. And to top it off, this is one place they invoke the name of God. That, my friend, is using God's name in vain. Not because they used his name, but because of how they used it, the context of the use. People, this is evil. This is yet another straw on the back of the camel that's desperately trying to tote the load of Democrat lies and corruption. It will break, but it's up to us to help that break. We need to expose the lunacy of the left. We need to vote to give these socialists and Marxists opportunities in the private sector or in a different country. And we need to put people in power over the next handful of elections that will actually fight for the people for the country against these communists. So that'll do it for this episode and our look at the Democrat Party platform with regard to the economy. To hear the intro episode, go backwards a week. To hear episode three, well, that's next week. So you'll either have to wait or get a new DeLorean and start fluxing. That said, in episode three, we're going to take a look at their plan in achieving universal, affordable, quality health care. Oh, oh, this should be good. So until next time, stay awake and help wake others up to the evil that is the Democrat Party. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. If you've made it this far, the odds are you liked what you heard. I'd greatly appreciate a like, a comment, and a review if you're so inclined. As you likely already know, it all helps with the algorithms. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. And finally, if you found this podcast useful or entertaining, share it with your friends, your enemies, your in-laws, your outlaws. If you want to reach me, you can do so at lcpodcast at outlook.com or increasingly I'll be using at lcpodcast on Getter. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic there is no armor like ignorance. But Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So stay in the word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless. Thank you.